Hello, Jeff. Hello, Soraya. How you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing well. Nice. Remember when we started this podcast, our our whole thought was that we were going to play songs and tell stories and anecdotes about them? I seem to recall that conversation. Yes, yeah. Fortunately, we've been able to talk to a lot of wonderful, wonderful artists that we love and adore, and that's been really fun. But on this one, this episode, we're going to go back to that sort of with a twist. Okay, what's the twist? The twist is you haven't heard these songs before. (laughs) Okay, I'm game. So you're familiar with these artists, but um, these are some songs that, that, that you're not super familiar with, and... This is was influenced by an, a podcast that I used to listen to that doesn't, um, they're not still producing this podcast, but it was called Songs for Jenna. And this podcast was this guy named Ryan playing indie rock songs for his sister. And it was her first reactions after listening to these songs. Okay. So I wanted to play a few songs for you and get your first reactions. Sounds good. And what we decided to do is go for some songs that were released on Vox Records, and we've talked about that being kind of like a a cousin scene from the Paisley Underground. I don't know, second or third cousin, I don't know. But they were, Vox was a label that was founded in 1979, and it was a subsidiary of Bomp Records by uh, label owner Greg Shaw. And it was a specialty label for 60s-influenced bands in the 80s, mostly in the 80s. And they put out about, I don't know, somewhere about 100 releases, roughly. And it was, yeah, so uh, 60s-style garage and psychedelic-inspired music. And uh, a little bit about Greg. So he was a fanzine publisher, a music historian, and a record producer. Born in January 29, 1949 in San Francisco, and unfortunately he passed away on October 19th, 2004, in Los Angeles. But yeah, he was the founder of Bomp Records and Vox Records, and Vox had a a lot of fun stuff on it. More garagey, for the most part, but there's three bands that we were going to focus on today that I'm going to play you some songs, and I can't wait to hear what you think of these. Okay. Alright, so should we get started? Why not? Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. All right. So my thought was to play you three songs by three bands. So three by three. If, okay. <laughs> if you will. And the first band uh, that I wanted to talk about is a band called The Steps, spelled S-T-E-P-P-E-S. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard of all three of these bands, but um, I know you're not super familiar with them, so this should be fun. Uh, the Steps released six albums on Vox, actually, and they were a psychedelic group formed in the early 1980s, mainly from two brothers, John and David Fallon, who were from Ireland, but they were spending time in Ireland and L.A., so they were pretty much L.A.-based. But um, the other main members of the band were drummer Jim Bailey and guitar player Jim Gilman. And um, that first song I'm going to play you was actually not on Vox. It's the only song that wasn't on Vox, but I consider them a Vox band because they did put out six albums on Vox. But the first song that we're going to listen to is from their first release, and it was an eight-song mini-LP released in 1984 on Mystic Records, so that was more of a punk label. Okay. And um, this is the first song on side two. At the time, they had a different drummer than Jim Bailey. uh, This drummer is listed as Dante. (laughs) And um, this song actually has real dark subject matter, but it's a real upbeat melody, and the progression is really fun. And it was written by the Fallon brothers, John and David, and it's got David singing on lead vocals. John and David both switched off on lead vocals, but this one's David. But anyways, the song is called It's the Real Time, and um, we're going to play it and see what you think. Here we go.
First impressions. I like it. You like it. Yay. So the one of the first things that jumped out at me was that deep bass line at the very, very start. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, uh, where, where am I going? And then I remembered that you said it was an upbeat tune. And I said, because this sounds deep and dark. like. And then I hear it. And man, you're starting to... I don't know, maybe our years of friendship are starting to rub off on you and you know the things that I like. And it was that harmony in the beginning that led me into the song and then boom, the guitars, you know, this kind of jangly guitar. Now, I have to admit, the way that you and I record, sometimes I can hear clearly the lyrics and sometimes I'm I'm trying to listen really hard. So... Can you tell me what the topic of this song is? Because I started writing down lyrics and I'm trying to connect the dots. Well, some of the lines were... Well, it talks about a relationship with a father and it doesn't sound like it's a very good relationship. Um, there's, And I think it sounds like the father has some issues because I think he says, um, in daddy's coat, um, he's shooting dope. Yeah, we won't see him anymore. And, okay. and, and then, then the author says... It's just as well. I hope he's happy in hell. So, okay. So I'm, it sounds like they didn't have a good relationship, and I don't know if the father OD'd or had a drug problem and left, but mm-hmm. um, it doesn't sound good. But it sound, It's pretty heavy and, and dark, the subject matter. But Yeah, it was that line, it's the real time, I'm scared. Uh, and I'm like, okay, where, where... You know, so like the lyrics and the and the beat of the song don't match but it's that's a good song yay yay. that's a good song i liked it okay so let's go on to another step song and this one is from their next release their first vox releases their 1986 album called drop of the creature also written by the fallon brothers and it's got monster guitar leads and at this point they get a little heavier and definitely more psychedelic um, and it's funny, the title of the song is A Play on Wordsworth. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. But um, definitely heavier, more psychedelic. Um, and here we go. This is A Play on Wordsworth, the leadoff track from Drop of the Creature.
All right, that was sort of an epic little piece. <laughs> I want you to see what I just wrote. In... <laughs> <laughs> that song is a freak out, man. It is. It is. Wow. Okay, there's a lot going on in that song. And I just felt like I heard six different bands. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that first, that first, it, this song has like these moments where it's like a heartbeat. Oh. So like it starts with that bass line. And the first thing I wrote down was it reminds me of a Doors song. Oh, nice. And it's like, bom, bom, and like it leads you in. And then it's just squealing guitars and wah-wah pedals and drums. And, uh, and like, it's literally a freak out because it's everywhere. And then, but then there are these moments that it kind of brings you back in. That's why I say it's like a heartbeat because it's like, sometimes it can, your heartbeat can go really fast or really slow, but it always finds a way to kind of regulate itself, right? Nice. So, like, you start out with that bass line and then... When they're freaking out, then there's that really quick strum, like, bring. Yeah. And it's like, bring you back to the moment. And then they'll freak out, freak out, and it's quick strum, bring. <laughs> and it's like, shush. <laughs> wow. Very then, cool. So, let me tell you. And then that end, that end jam, reminded me of The Who. Oh, yes. Where I'm like, wait, uh, something's going to get smashed now. <laughs> and then, boom. The voice brings me back. I mean, I mean that there's a whoa, there's a lag on it, and I even wrote down like I, I kept thinking who it was reminding me of. So look at the names I wrote down: Doors, Seeds, Birds, Iron Butterfly. Wow, nice. <laughs> yes. But granted, that's me and my crazy brain. No, no, I think those are all these names out there. But wow, it, look the difference between the two songs. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how much time between the two releases? So the first one was in 84 and the second one was in 86. So a couple years. Not that long though, but wow. Yeah, yeah. Shift a different side. Very cool. Nice. Very cool. Well, we're going to do one last song by The Steps. Um, and I'll mention that The Steps are one of probably like a dozen bands that I've obsessed over over my lifetime. They were, it's still our huge obsession for me. But um, so I'm glad that we're that I get to play a couple songs. So the last song that we're gonna hear is called "The One Thing," and out of all the nine songs that we're playing today, this is the one that I handpicked especially for you, Soraya. So I'm really anxious to hear what you think of this. This is from their um, their next album. It's called Studio, which they spelled S T E W D I O. It's kind of a bad name, and it has kind of a bad cover. It's got a cover of a of a pot with like a stew in it and guitar, a guitar neck hanging out of it and guitar wires. So they're kind of playing off stew and studio together. It's kind of bad, <laughs> but um, it's a great album. It's a really, really good album. And uh, oh, at least for me, and this is the lead off track. And this one came out in 88. So it's a couple years later. And I feel like this album is a combination of the first EP and the second harder one with Drop of the Creature. And they had plenty more albums after this that they released on Vox. They had a dr- different drummer on this album instead of Jim Bailey, a guy named Eric Denning. And then after this album, they go back to drummer Jim Bailey. Um, but anyways, this one's called The One Thing. And um, handpicked for you, The Steps. Oh, <laughs> the Steps, The One Thing from Studio.
Okay, when I said I handpicked it, it's not because of the subject matter. Just I was so, say. <laughs> just the melody. It kind of reminded me of, of of a monkey's tune. But anyways, that's why I handpicked it for you. You know, uh, first of all, I love that line. If there's one thing we can't agree on, is that we don't agree at all. <laughs> I'm like, if he picked that because of that, I did it. Have a I did it. But no, I. You know what? You hit. You hit on. One of the things that I wrote down is that it reminds me of early, you know, early to mid 60s pop with these very sweet harmonies and this driving guitar, you know, kind of happy, peppy up guitar um, melody. And that bridge is really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Really cool. I like that bridge. Okay. So at the very, very beginning when they start, the the first thing I wrote down is it reminds me of Jan and Dean. Oh. So when Jan and Dean when they sing it's this high range it's like a higher range, and but very much in sync, and so I'm like hmm okay so Jeff's gonna have to tell me which of the brothers was singing lead because they're obviously complementing one another, and then I wrote down it's a monkey's song. <laughs> but in the 80s. Yeah. 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 Um, I really like that one. Oh, cool. I think of the three, of the three that you played, I have to say right now, a play on Wordsworth is kind of oh the pack. Wow. Just because it was such a freak out. That one was so different. Um, and I actually didn't think you would like that one. <laughs> well, I thought... I, it's a, right now it's the one that stands out the most, maybe because they threw so much at me. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, but literally right behind it is the one thing. And then uh, it's the real time is probably the third. I mean, I I really enjoyed them all. I have to admit, I was a bit weary because I wasn't sure what you were going to play. Right. And you told me, you can't know, you can't look, and I'm just going to pick them. And I said, okay. So this was like the most, <laughs> the most, um, uh, raw and pure reaction you were ever going to get and that that was the goal right that was that's what we were hoping shoot so now i want now i want to go get the steps and that horrible lp (laughs) studio uh, with the horrible image but if the songs are that good i want it (laughs) very cool very cool all right, well, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Still a Vox band, but we're going to move on to the Telltale Hearts. Okay. So, and I know that you know of them. Telltale Hearts were from San Diego, and they went through a lot of members. They had kind of a rotating member. The The core group that I know was um, uh, organist Bill Calhoun, who also did Mouth Harp or Harmonica. Um, David Cloudon was their drummer. Eric Bacher, or it's B-A-C-H-E-R, I say Bacher, uh, was their guitar player. Mike Stacks is their bass player who also puts out the fanzine The Ugly Things, which is well-renowned, that fanzine. He's in a band called The Loons now, and he's done quite a few other things. He's Mike is a big deal in San Diego. Uh, and singer Ray Brandis. Uh, they also, uh, uh, other people that went through the band, Carl Rusk, uh, John McKinney, Park Asola, Peter Meisner, and Ron Swart. But the the core five that I knew were the ones that I mentioned. And the band released their full, full-length debut album in 1984 on Vox. Uh, and they also had a six-song mini LP in 1985 on Vox called The Now Sound of the Telltale Hearts. And uh, quite a few years later, they put out a compilation in 1994 of songs from both of those releases, plus some unreleased tracks and live tracks, which was called High Tide, Big Noses, and Pizza Faces. And from what I understand, that uh, at least part of that title came from um, a review or a comment by Paula Pierce from the Pandoras, who um, made a comment about them saying that they had big noses and pizza faces. So that's where, that's my understanding of where that came from. But anyways, uh, I saw the band a few times back in the day, uh, once at um, uh, Frat House in at San Diego State, and once opening for Jesus and Mary Chain in San Diego, which was really cool. But uh, they have a different feel, more um, rock R&B based, 
But so I'm curious to hear what you think about these guys. The first song that I'm going to play is from their debut full-length album. Um, and is it, this was written by their singer, Ray, Ray Brandis. And it's the lead-off track from the debut full-length album. And it's all of these songs are also on that compilation that I mentioned. But uh, this one's called Crawling Back to Me. A little bit different than the steps you'll hear. Yeah, me too. Ooh, it, like at, at one point, um, I just wrote down that the vocals feel like Eric Burton. Yep, that's the first thing I thought of too. Um, the animals. He's got this real soul to his voice. I really, really liked it. And those, the guitars on that song, the guitar on that track is bomb. That's really, really good. Very cool. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. So Ray went on to uh, put out some some solo records too. So the the singer, those are pretty cool too. That worth checking out. I think you you nailed it when you said he's got some soul in him for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. Cool. So the next song is also from that debut full length LP. Uh, this one's called Forever Alone. This song was written by the organist Bill Calhoun and the bass player Mike Stacks. Um, this one has a, a little bit different feel, not so um, energetic, but uh, I, re- I really like the melody on this one. So um, this one is Forever Alone. I woke up this morning and I looked for you, but I knew that you were there. I remember the day that you left, you said you knew I would. I'm not the one 
different vibe than crawling back to me very different very very different and it the mix of um there's like a mix of influences there because at one point when it's just the lead vocalist and it has this very kind of somber tone (laughs) you're gonna think i'm nuts i'm telling you this is my crazy brain i blame the quarantine um (laughs) It reminded me a little of parts of the song 96 Tears, uh, you know, Question Mark and the Mysterians. Yeah. I don't know, this kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of this desolate vocal. And then you've got that organ that is, you can't forget it, right? Yeah. It comes in like, boom, and it just signals that change. And then those guitars just take the song <laughs> to a whole other level. Yeah. The, like, there's a lot of layers in that song that I wasn't expecting. I'll be honest. Very cool. Okay. Very cool. So, and again, any any song that uses a maraca that that uh, prominently, check in my book. Very cool. Very cool. This one, the next song, has the mouth harp. So, um, <clears throat> which they used quite a bit in some of their songs. I did want to mention that when they put out that. Uh, compilation 10 years after their heyday if you will um, that they did a couple reunion shows I think in San Francisco was one of them they did one in San Diego that I got to attend at this place in San Diego called the Casbah and I just remember a lot of the I mean they were just as good then 10 years later and so much energy you can imagine these guys on stage uh, hearing the music that they just Tons of energy, you know, um, with the maraca and the mouth harp and Mike stacks on bass, the just the drums going crazy, Eric on guitar, just a lot of fun. But this next song called It's Not Me, uh, written by the organist Bill Calhoun, who also does a mean harp, <laughs> including a harp solo, a mouth, okay. mouth harp. Um, uh, this one's from the 1985 mini LP, The Now Sound of Telltale Hearts, and it's got this Bo Diddley kind of drum uh intro part which is pretty cool and you mentioned layers on forever alone this one has um, quite a few different layers too and a couple different time signatures so the the timing uh changes up uh, quite a bit on the song but last song that we're going to hear today from the telltale hearts from the now sound of the telltale hearts it's not me
So that's one song. <laughs> Dang. Whew. First right. thoughts. First of all, I I'm I'm I wrote down where has this band been all my life? Oh. Um, how do how have I not paid more attention? I really like I really really like uh, the lead singer's voice. It's oh. it's haunting. It's it's, it's hypnotic um i just loved everything about that yay and it's that bo diddley beat you know i i in my head i'm like hey bo diddley yeah but um yeah that's a really really good arrangement and uh they threw a lot of stuff at me yeah i yeah. like them so what like what do you think of the harmonica harp oh in there first of all the guy's insane <laughs> it was really good and it adds you know sometimes you can think oh that was a little much no it added character to the song and it was a necessary component i liked it ah oh, very cool very cool so we're gonna switch gears again we're okay going from the steps to telltale hearts to the things so the things i feel like are the closest to the Paisley Underground out of the bands that we're listening to today. I saw the Things play with the Pandoras at uh, UCSD back in the day, and it was a really, really good good bill. Um, the Things are an L.A. band. They released three albums in the mid to the late 80s. Their first two were on Vox, and their last on Epitaph Records, but we're just going to focus on songs from the two Vox releases uh, the Things were comprised of Stephen Crabtree, who is the vocalist, guitarist, and keyboardist, and Red Cross drummer Roy McDonald. Before Roy uh, went into Red Cross, he was the he is the, or was the drummer for the Things. 
um, drummer and percussionist. Uh, the bass players changed on the first album, which is called Colored Heaven with a U, like it's like they're an English band. Um, Pete Rouch was the bass player and also sang on that album, uh, sang some backing vocals on it. And then on their next album, which is called Outside My Window, uh, Bob Weir was the bass player and Larry Klein was the second guitarist. There's a two-part documentary on YouTube that Stephen Crabtree, the singer, did. It's called Not Everyone Makes It. Uh It's really interesting. It's about four, close to four hours, three and a half hours in total, but it's broken up into two parts. And in the first part, he talks um, about a couple things that are really interesting to me. He talks about being influenced by the Paisley Underground, um, which is really cool. He saw the three o'clock at a show and it really influenced him. That was really cool. Another part that's, it's really sad. He talks about when Roy McDonald left the things. I think he went on to do other things. I, I don't know if he was going on to the Muffs or to the Red Cross or whatever, but it really hit him hard because it sounded like um, they had a really good relationship and a good musical relationship, and it was it was really tough on him. So I recommend that at least the first part uh, that relates to what to the things and the early days. Again, that's called Not Everyone Makes It on YouTube. But the first song that we're going to hear is the lead-off track from the 1984 debut album from The Things, Colored Heaven. And um, this song's called Eyes of a Child. And to me, it definitely feels like it's Paisley Underground influenced, for sure. Um, Eyes of a Child.
Yay! Uh, that intro guitar lick, very Rain Parade-esque. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, wow, I really like that, and, um, yeah, I, I really like this song, just overall. I just kept writing down, um, connection, like, a lot of things connect to Paisley Underground, but this band is really unique too. And that the lead vocal, it, that's a different kind of voice. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 I, I like, it. I like Steve's voice on that. And, and uh, that part towards the end of the song with the bass where it goes, doom, 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 doom. It kind of reminded me of Michael Quercio a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, cool. I'm glad you liked that, that one. That's a good track. I'm glad you liked that one. So next up, what I have for you is the title track, Colored Heaven, um, and it's the last song on side A of their debut album. And this one reminds me of the Rainy Day compilation. Remember when we talked about that one quite a while ago? Um, and on that um, Rainy Day compilation, there's the song John Riley, the English folk uh -huh. song with Michael okay. Quercio singing. About 30 seconds into this song, Colored Heaven, I can totally picture michael singing a fair young maid all in her garden but uh just part of the part of the song just brings me back to that rainy day compilation specifically that song um and only for like two seconds of this song about 30 seconds in but um this um this one is um much more subdued song than eyes of a child um so i'm curious to see what you think of this one colored okay. colored heaven
How about that? The solo is on an acoustic guitar. You know, that, the vocals on this song, they're so dreamlike, you know, they're just, and I totally get the connection that you made to Rainy Day. Um, it's definitely there. There's something about this song I can't put my finger on, and I think it's because I'm trying to figure out this song I wrote down, it reminds me of another song, but right now it's not jumping out at me, but it sounds like an early 80s song. Okay. When was this recorded? Uh, so it was released in 84. Well, that explains it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying to give different aspects of the band by pulling mm -hmm. different types of songs like not all the same up-tempo <laughs> kind of thing it's funny because it, it mentions paisley's in the song peace and love yeah. hashish <laughs> it's like and it, you know peace and love yeah i got that i think what it's reminding me of it's reminding me of a british band of the of the early 80s oh, okay i think that's what it is it's reminding me of, it'll come to me <laughs> yes nice that'll I be i have to admit though i like eyes of a child more than this song okay fair enough well now i'm really curious especially in light of our little discussion about the steps earlier i'm very curious what you think of this last song that we're going to play um this one is the title track off their 1986 vox release um it's called outside my window again it's the title track and like the steps, they got a little heavier and a little more psychedelic. And um, you happen to like a play on Wordsworth, so I'm wondering what you think about this one. It's a little bit heavier. Um, it's a it's a little over five minutes, so you'll put your seatbelt on, grab something to drink. Um, it, yeah. After, and what's curious about this one is after the raucous guitar solo, the song breaks down into like a little acoustic piece and like halftime. And... Um, I'm just wondering, how much Jethro Tull were they listening to when, <laughs> when they wrote this song? So let me know what you think of this one. This is the title track from the 86 Vox release, Outside My Window.
How about Roy McDonald on drums on that one? First of all, those drums are pretty sick on this song. But, uh, you know, I, I, what I liked about this song is the change in, um, in melody. Because it goes hard, 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 and then it drips off. You know, it's like, um, it's like a really intense dream where, you know, it's like things are happening fast and furious and then you just kind of drift off back, back to sleep. Um, I love the guitars on this. Oh, nice. And, uh, that wah-wah pedal was, <laughs> was working overtime. I guess in 86, they were selling a lot of those. Dang, dude. <laughs> But like it was like wah wah and, and squealy guitar. Yeah. Call me nuts. Uh oh. Now what? The vocals <laughs> on this one remind me so much of Michael Corsio. Really? There's something. It's not as high as his as his range, but there's something really ethereal about that song. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. I can kind of hear that. I definitely can. At least in the slower parts. Yeah. There's something um, about it. And uh, I got to say, Jeff, if I had to pick between the three, it'd go outside my window, eyes of a child, and colored heaven. Really? Yeah. Huh. That is not... At all what I expected, actually, See, going into you, this. You never can predict. I can't. I, I... No, it's, it's an it, This song, especially, it just, it gives me a lot to think about. And that's what, I think that's why I liked it. Because there was something, it's like I was discovering something new with each, with each, you know, new piece of the song. Oh. I, I liked it a lot. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I would have thought the more, like, poppier, like, Eyes of a Child would have been. Yeah. That's what I would have thought. But, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you like the heavier songs, too, because I was leery about even playing those between that one yeah. and the steps. So I tried tried to throw in some different aspects of the band, like I mentioned earlier, of all three bands, actually, so... I'm hoping that maybe someday we can dig a little deeper into these bands and their catalog. Someday. <clears throat> okay. They're bands that I really like. And like I said, they're I consider these kind of Vox bands. Um, they had 
a lot of their releases were on that label. And again, that label put out a lot of bands during the 80s that were heavily influenced by the 60s. I think you can hear that throughout most of these songs that I played today. Um, right. <clears throat> so, uh, and then not only in songs, but in what they wore, their fashion, their just general aesthetic sense. When you look at the album covers, they all have that a very 60s kind of vibe to them. So I'm glad that Greg Shaw put out the subsidiary label and highlighted a, a lot of bands. There's tons more bands other than these three that we just picked at. And of course we had the... Um, the early members from the Pandoras and um, that yeah. first record, It's About Time, also came out on Vox and literally dozens more bands. So a very cool label. So I'm glad. Thank you so much for for doing this. I was really curious what you you would think of these. And no, I know I know you've heard a song or two by all of these bands. So at least one or two. But yeah, you know, I, I don't think any extended listen. So nice but, uh, yeah you've given me now three things i need to look for <laughs> or at least one thing one steps and one telltale heart at least <laughs> at least if not more yay oh very cool very cool well that was fun for me good yay so we'll see what happens up next we have a, a few different people that we want to talk to uh coming up and a couple more ideas with just us two so We'll see what comes up next on Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. You never know. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. All right. And then uh, after all this uh, great music and freakouts, gente, agrubia. Groove on, Paisley people. Time.